says it's all about building your kingdom you got to build your kingdom you got to get yours no listen jesus says you should seek first god's kingdom and god's righteousness and then all those other things that you think you need he's going to take care of it now what i will tell you is that when you prioritize god's kingdom above your own kingdom god does provide for you but never in the way that you thought it was when you were prioritizing your own kingdom Whether it's a man cave or a she shed, it's nice to have a place to get away to a place that's just like you want it to be, a little kingdom of your own. While there's nothing wrong with a place of your own, in today's message, Pastor Daniel encourages you to make growing God's kingdom a priority. Then your desire to reach people with the good news that Jesus is real will impact your choices, and building your own little kingdom will take a back seat. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 2 as he begins his message, The First Strand of Crossroads DNA. So each one of us is a work of art that God is doing. And each work of art is not on its own, but it's Each work of art created in who? In Christ Jesus. And then each work of art created in Christ Jesus has a function. Unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. And what that means is that in the unique ways that God has knit each one of us together on a DNA level. But when it becomes a spiritual thing, there are good works that God created you in Christ Jesus to walk in, right? So each one of us has purpose, function in the totality of God's kingdom. Now, that's not only true for us as individuals. That's also true for us as a church family. We realize that each one of you, you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared before you were even born that you would walk in those things. And as a church family, our job is to say, we want you to step into discovering what those good works God created you for is. And so if you are not yet in ministry here at Crossroads, it's time to step on into that. Because God created, you're God's workmanship unto those good works. Not works that save you, but works that are the expression of your salvation. Right? And so because of this, we realize some things about ourselves as a church. Now, if you know anything about DNA, there's... Uh, they call it a double helix. There's two strands of DNA that are intertwined. And so today I'll take the first strand and the next message I'll take the second strand because there's a lot of things to go through. But in each one of these things, I'm talking to you about who Crossroads is under the hood. But you see these things in expression everywhere, just like your DNA. You don't see it except you see the expression of it and your hair color and your eye color and your height and all these different parts of who you are. In the same way, we want to be able to say, this is who we are under the hood. And what I would tell you is that I want to encourage you as an individual to also adopt this DNA. Because I think it's, we think it's important enough to say, this is what we care about. Now, the first thing is kind of fun. I always like to say it this way. As a church, we know who we are and we like it. We know who we are 
and we like it. Now, every time I've ever said that, there are people like, that sounds kind of arrogant. It's not arrogant. Really what it's saying is that we understand that this is who God has made us to be as a church. We're not going to reject who God has made us to be. And because we know who we are, we feel super comfortable being who we are. I always like to tell people that Crossroads is not the best. We are not the only. We just have a very definitive understanding of this is who God has called us to be. And because this is who God called us to be, we're happy to play that role. Does that make sense? And I think it's important for each one of us to, in Christ, to begin to understand who am I and become comfortable with who I am in all of this. Right? Like, I remember when God was calling me out of music as a career into ministry. It took me a while to get comfortable with that God wanted me, me to be a mouthpiece. Because I really just want to be the guy who laid the funky bass line down. You know, that's what I, I just want to be the guy in the back, just like, you know, driving the bus from, from the bass chair. That's all I ever wanted to do. But then when it was, God was like, no, no, I have something else for you. Then it was like, okay, can I get comfortable doing this? Right? And in a lot of ways, God wants you to know who you are in him and be good to play that role, right? And so this is about us as a church realizing that we realize that we're part of the greater body of Christ, and we don't believe that any local church is God's only hope for accomplishing everything that he wants to do. We believe that each local church has very specific things that they're supposed to do, right? And if each local expression of the body of Christ, each local church does the thing that they're supposed to do, ultimately the work of God's kingdom happens in totality. And the biggest problem I think that the church in general has today is everyone's looking around at everyone else and either tries to do things they're not supposed to do because they see someone else doing it and they want to be like that, or they try and impose what, they, what their job is on everybody else and they demonize everyone who doesn't do what they do, Right? And we see that going on all over the body of Christ. But if you notice as a church, we never do that. Because we believe that God's going to use different local churches in unique ways. And our job is to celebrate and champion each local church getting at the things that they're supposed to get at. And as a church family, we know who we are. And we like playing the role. Like, this is who we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do. Now, what's also beautiful about that is the reason I say that is because as a church family, we're never trying to figure out what we're supposed to do, right? And a lot of times that makes, you know, especially when people are new and people who are really gifted, maybe God has used them in certain ways, people have a tendency, they come to cross with like, well, this is my thing and this is what I want to do. It's like, well, that's great, but we actually know who we are and we like it. Like, we're not looking for a vision. We have a vision. We know what we're trying to do. You want to come join what we're doing. And sometimes people get really frustrated at that. Because, like, well, the church I used to go to, this is what I did. That's great, but you're brand new. And look at what God is already doing. It doesn't mean that we're not trying to get better, but we're also not looking around. Some churches are like that, where they're try- they don't know what they're, they don't know who they are, so they're trying to figure it out. And they read this book and they do this thing. They read this book and they do this thing. And they go to this conference before you know what they're re- We don't do that. Because we know this is God, what, what God has called us to. And because it's what God's called us to, that's what we're going to run. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean we're the only one. Doesn't mean that other churches don't do certain things so well. And we're like, we love what God is doing over there. But has God called us to replicate what they're doing? No, especially not if we're in the same community, right? Like if a church is doing a certain ministry really good, our job is to come alongside and support them in it because even though we're an individual church, we believe in something bigger. Does that make sense? In a lot of ways, the, we know who we are and we like it leads us into the kind of the second base of our DNA, which is simply this, that we are radically kingdom focused. 
right? And, and what that means for us is us being radically kingdom focused means we are more concerned with growing God's kingdom than we are with growing crossroads. And really what we believe is that if we focus on growing God's kingdom, crossroads will always be just fine. That's what we have 45 years of data to tell us. When we're focused on not growing the kingdom of crossroads, but growing the kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? Then God will always take care of crossroads. That's why we have no problem supporting other churches and other ministries and doing things that we think are awesome because we see that their impact is good for the kingdom of God, right? That's why as a church, we make it a point never to talk ill about other churches, we may not agree with everything, but we don't have to go up here and be like, oh, be careful of that church because of this thing. It's like, no, man, listen. We got our own problems. We're all part of this church. You know? There's stuff we got to do. So our goal is always not to worry just about crossroads. Our goal is, what does God's kingdom need? How do we join that? And, of course, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we should seek first the kingdom of what? Of God and his what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. Now, in a lot of ways, what I want to encourage you is I want to encourage you not to spend your life focusing on the kingdom of self. That's what our culture tells us. Our culture says, it's all about building your kingdom. You got to build your kingdom. You got to get yours. No, listen. Jesus says you should seek first God's kingdom. And God's righteousness, and then all those other things that you think you need, he's going to take care of it. Now, what I will tell you is that when you prioritize God's kingdom above your own kingdom, God does provide for you, but never in the way that you thought it was when you were prioritizing your own kingdom. Right? It's like, I don't want to give you the false hope that if you prioritize God's kingdom, you're going to get all the things you wanted when you were prioritizing your kingdom. What I will tell you is that when you prioritize God's kingdom... The ethics of God's kingdom and the things that God is concerned about become what you get concerned about. And he ends up giving you the things you need under the authority of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. I like to always remind you all that the kingdom of self is highly fortified. Everything in our lives are designed to protect the kingdom of your life as you think it ought to be. But what I will tell you is that Jesus taught us to pray in that model prayer. Christians have been praying this prayer as part of worship services for 2,000 years. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What people don't realize is that when you're praying that God's kingdom would come, you're also praying that your kingdom would go. When you're asking for God's will to be done, you're also saying, then my will needs to go. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. It's not about me getting the things that I want to fortify my ideas. But what does God want? What does God's kingdom ask for? And as a church family, we've made the commitment that we're going to focus more on the kingdom of God than we are on crossroads. Knowing that if we focus on the kingdom of God, crossroads will always be fine. Does that make sense? Now, with that being the case... When you prioritize God's kingdom, we also realize that God does care about the Crossroads family. Does that make sense? And I just wanted to real quick just mention a few things. I've been trying to figure out where to put this in the in, in this series, and so I'm just going to throw it in here because it makes sense. So I want to thank you all for your generosity here at Crossroads. You know, like, as a church, we don't talk about money very much. But we do realize that money is an outlet of spiritual power that... All the resources we have are not ours, they're God's, and he entrusts them to us, right? When you read the Bible, that's what you learn. 
right? You learn that what you think is yours, no, it's actually his. And our job is not to be owners, but stewards, right? And that, that idea of biblical stewardship is God is entrusting resources to us. And then he asks us to broker those resources in accordance with his purposes and plans. And I just want to thank you all for your faithful stewardship of the resources that God has given you. You know, as a church family, like, you know, every year we set a budget, we, we, we make a budget, you know, and every year we live within the budget, you know, um, as a church family. And, and thank you all for your generosity. Thank you for that. Because we believe that as a church family, when we focus on the kingdom, God's kingdom is also happening here at Crossroads. Does that make sense? So part of what life is, is that like, just as we say, we want you to focus on God's kingdom and not your own kingdom. As you focus on God's kingdom, God doesn't want to destroy you. He wants you to blossom. So there's, there's a part of focusing on God's kingdom that also makes sure that we're the most healthy. And as a church family, we've worked so hard in order to be healthy in all these different ways. And I want to thank you for it. You know, we talked last week about our operating system being Dr. Mister. Do you guys remember that? That it's devotional, relational, missional, and reproducible. Our church finances is also Dr. Mister. Now, I'm going to share this with you because I actually think you should adopt this for your own personal finances. Your personal finances, just like our church, D, debt reduction, right? I want to encourage you. You, you want to get out of debt as fast as possible. You don't want to be in credit card debt. If you have student loan debt, you want to get out of that, right? Car payment debt, you need to get out of that. And eventually, when well, you don't have to pay the mortgage on your house, you want to get out of that too. So, so debt reduction should be a part of the way that you broker your own family finances. So that's the D. The R, your residence, right? Like where you live. You need to keep that house in good working order. I, as we all know, that if you slowly do things and... And fix things, it's so much better than letting it all fall apart and then having to fix it all later. Everyone know what I'm talking about? Right? You know, like a couple thousand dollars here and there is so much better than a couple hundred thousand dollars later because it fell into disrepair. So as a church, it's like, we want to, we're alleviating debt. We are taking care of our house. Now here at our church campus, we have 20 acres and 140,000 square feet of buildings. That's a lot, right? So you'll always notice that there's something going on just because of the, the square footage that we have and the amount of things that are going on and the amount of wear and tear it takes from having thousands of people come through this campus every single day, all week long, the whole nine, right? So that's the D. The R is the residence. The M, I love this, for ministry. We always say we want to do more ministry than we've ever done in our life. Your life is ministry. My life is ministry, right? So you need to budget for this is how I'm getting at the work of God's kingdom. So that's the M, the ministry. And then the final R is reserves, right? That everybody should have an emergency fund. Why? Because the unexpected things are expected. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It's like, if you have a car, that thing's going to break down at some point. It's, It's not like, I can't believe it broke down their cars. That's what they do right? It's like, it's like, you know, anybody here ever not get sick? Exactly. So like medical expenses, they should not be unexpected. They're expected. So one of the ways we get at that is you make sure you have reserves on hand. And as a board, we have a reserve level that we say, this is our goal for our reserve level. Once we're there, then we can use the money in other areas, but we always want to make sure we have the right amount of reserves. And so I want to encourage you to do the same kind of a thing where you look at your life. My life's about ministry. It's about having enough reserves to deal with the unexpected but expected things of life. I want to make sure that I'm alleviating the debt that I'm carrying. And if you're not carrying any debt, good for you. Don't go into it. You know what I mean? And then of course you want to be taking care of where you live, right? Because it's one of the major life expenses. And, and so as a church, we do the exact same thing. 
Now from there, something you may have noticed about Crossroads is that we as a church family are provoked by urgency. We're provoked by urgency. What I mean by that is that as a church family, we believe that Jesus is coming back. And because we believe that Jesus is coming back, we realize that we're all living on borrowed time. I like to use this. They call this the, the last days began on the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. That's when the last days began. And in a lot of ways, you know, in soccer, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, if you're Europeans, call, you call it football. We call football something. We call football football. You call it soccer football. You know how it goes, right? Soccer. Then at the end of the game, there's stop time. There's, there's this extra bit of time that you get at the end of the game. I believe that the last days since the day Jesus ascended to heaven is a, like a form of stoppage time. There's extra time. We don't know how much time we have. Right, And because of that, everything that we do as a church family, there is an urgency to what we do. Right, We are not in any way sitting back, resting, be like, man, it's a great church, rocking and rolling, big church. You know, it's like we just say, man, listen, if Jesus comes back today, we want to lay it all on the table. Right, like, Because like, we, we're provoked by that. And if you ever notice, I know sometimes people say, well, Pastor Daniel, sometimes it feels like things happen fast at Crossroads. Well, they do. You know, because in some ways, if you know God's calling you to do something, you can sit back and design it for 10 years before you ever try and do it. We just don't think we have that much time. We'll design it for 10 days and then we'll roll it out and we'll paint the plane while we're flying it. You know what I mean? We're designed to do it that way because we just feel like there's no time. We feel like if Jesus came back tomorrow, we don't want to be in the planning stages for exactly what he wanted to do to reach the very people who we never reached because we were so busy planning everything. Does that make sense? Now, we realize because we're provoked by a sense of urgency, that also gives us a, maybe a higher a calamity factor than maybe other churches. But we accept that as a calculated risk on our part. And to be honest with you, we don't really have a lot of calamities. Just sometimes, it, like, oh man, we should have thought of that before we did that, you know? But that's part of who we are. Because we have this urgency, there's no time. We can't even believe that we get to be here. Like I think back, if Jesus came back 25 years ago, I would have been forever lost. For some of you, if Jesus came back two weeks ago, you would have been lost. And so we allow that to be something that drives who we are. And of course, the apostle Peter tells us, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You hear what that's saying? It's like, God is not lazy, God is patient. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. See, for me, because God is being patient, I don't want to try God's patience. Right? I want to allow God's patience to give us some space to be able to reach people. Right, And that's something that we're committed to as a church family. But there is an urgency to everything that we do. You know, That's why if you notice, we'll do things, we'll get it done, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Because if God's given us this much time, okay, Lord, what do you have next for us? And also, because we're provoked by a sense of urgency, we don't spend a lot of time living in the past. Because when you're provoked by a sense of urgency, we love our past, but we need to live our future. We also see so many churches, especially churches like Crossroads, big churches that have been, had a lot of impact. They can live in yesterday rather than living in today and preparing for tomorrow. So we love where we've been, but we're not going to let something from the past keep us from reaching people today. 
right? That's just not wise. Now, for some of you, I know that that kind of bugs you about Crossroads. And I am super sorry, but we're not going to change it, even if it bugs you. And here's why. I want to remind you that nothing stays static. Everything changes every single day. Every single day, you get a little bit older, right? You're changing. The world is nothing. We have this tendency to think that church is supposed to stay exactly the same forever. That's never been the case. You read the book of Acts, the church is changing through the book of Acts. It goes from being predominantly Jewish to being multi-ethnic. It began from being within the temple courts now to being in houses all over the Roman Empire. Things are constantly changing. And so we never want to get to the place where we're not provoked by the urgency that says we don't ever want to change because it'll offend people. Right? We're going to say, no, we don't want to change for change's sake but we want to be urgent and effective in this generation. And there's lots of churches, unfortunately, that were effective in a previous generation, but because they're unwilling to be urgent today, they're not nearly as effective today because they're functioning in ways that aren't working today. That doesn't mean that what, you, what was done in the past was bad. It's just that we need to keep putting wine in new wineskins. The gospel doesn't change. But our delivery mechanisms can change. All these things can change. And I believe Jesus wants them to change because Jesus cares about reaching people today, not, not reaching people today in the name of what we did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But I realize that for some of you, that's a challenge. And I am praying for you. I know you're praying for me. We pray for each other. We'll be just fine. Right? Um, but we're, not, we're never trying to be needlessly offensive. That's what you have to realize. Because we're provoked by a sense of urgency, We have to reach this generation. We have to. Because God loves this generation. Just the way they are. And he loves them too much to keep them that way. Just like previous generations. So we're provoked by this sense of urgency as a church. Now, from there, we like this. Well, actually, we don't like it. We hate it, but it's real. We embrace the tension. Now, isn't that just no fun, right? Here's a... a, A philosophy that we have as a church, part of our DNA is that we do not believe in alleviating certain tensions. Let me explain this to you, right? Like one of the great tensions is that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man, right? And you go into some churches, Jesus is so much God that he can't be your model. I mean, he's God, right? Or he's so human that he can't save you, right? We accept and embrace the tension that God is, Jesus is God and man completely right we don't want to resolve that tension because when you resolve that tension you end up with something that is not biblical Jesus is real. today pastor daniel continued this look at the dna of crossroads why they do what they do you learned that crossroads doesn't try to be something they aren't they know that everyone every church has different areas they focus on It takes everyone working together to meet the variety of needs present in your community. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to keep doing what you're led to do and let others do the same. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. 
Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel. Take a look at the church. You'll learn that the church isn't a human idea, but was God's plan. Pastor Daniel will share that God hasn't left his people without direction or resources. You'll explore the different roles he gives to people within the church family that are intended to help and benefit both the individual members of the church and the church as a whole. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Renew. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.